Welcome to Rob's Reliability Project, a podcast for maintenance and reliability people to better themselves both at home and at work. Now let's get rolling. Welcome to Rob's Reliability Project. I'm Rob Kalvaroski. Thank you for listening to the show. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to Rob's Reliability Project on your favorite podcast platform, as well as share it with your colleagues. If you're looking for more content, check out or follow Rob's Reliability Project on LinkedIn and Facebook for some different types of content and check out robsreliability.com as well. If you're looking for a short daily audio tip, subscribe to Rob's Reliability Tip of the Day on your favorite podcast platform. As well, it's also available on Amazon Alexa as a flash briefing. So check that out. Finally, if there are any topics, guests you'd like to hear from, questions you want answered, or if you'd like to appear on the podcast, just send me an email to robsreliabilityproject at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Now let's get rolling. Hey guys, I'm here with Suzanne Greenman. And if you remember last time Suzanne was on the show, she's the author of Risk-Based Asset Criticality. Suzanne, how are you today? I am doing wonderful, Rob. Thanks so much for having me back. Oh, thanks for joining us. And, you know, one thing I wanted to mention for everyone listening, similarly to myself, I've sort of started robsreliability.com. You've recently started Greenman Asset Management Solutions. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that and what services you offer? Thank you. So I started Greenman Asset Management Solutions into really uh, continue some of the work that I've been doing under other brands. And so we provide asset management advisory services, consultancy and training to asset intensive organizations. So really those companies with a lot of uh, physical assets uh, and, uh, and some amount of intangible assets as well. Really, we help firms to align their operations to their asset management policies and strategic plans and whatever their objectives are so that they can uh, in turn derive value from their assets. And so because we have assessors on staff, and I'm speaking of asset management assessors, we can assess the asset management maturity of the organization and then recommend specific improvements to business processes and practices that will then align the organizations back to stakeholder value. So that's what we've been dabbling in. With the asset management assessments, where do you see the maturity of asset management in Canada? So I think Canada's off to a really, really good start. Uh, particularly the municipalities, municipal organizations uh, really have come out and are, I'd say, leading the pack there. And I think uh, private sector organizations, particularly manufacturing firms, are are now catching on. So I think uh, I think Canada is uh, is becoming quite a strong player. In, the, in developing good asset management practices to the extent that I, I noted the other day in the press that uh, several Canadian municipalities are banding together to help municipalities in, in other countries. So it is, it is becoming a mature practice here in Canada. That's good to hear, at least for, at least for us in the industry. <laughs> exactly. 
exactly and that, and with that you know uh i got to say the the municipal governments are are also being quite proactive there's a lot of training that's going on so they're they're building up capabilities to to be able to approach the assets holistically be able to be able to look at risks and and make good decisions so a, a lot of uh, rapid training up is going on through PMAC in in particular, and uh, and through CNAM. So the Federation of Canadian Municipalities are are out there. They, they are. It's a very strong organization out there leading the pack with respect to ramping up um, asset management capabilities. Awesome, and and you guys heard it again. Risk and decision making. It's there. <laughs> Exactly. You know, know, there's no organization that has ultimate uh, resource level or 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 money or time. You know, if you really break resources down into time and and other resources and, and money, no company has it all. And so every company is trying to prioritize and make the best decisions that they can around the level of resourcing that they have. Yeah, and it's funny, right? So I've been I've been interviewing with a few companies for jobs and I was recently asked the question it was it was something along the lines of, you know, when you have a lot of work to do and you have multiple tasks and, you know, you're spread thin. How do you deal with priorities? And to me, that's not even a question. It's it's sort of a moot statement. It's like, well, what are my priorities? What's the goals of the organization? And then everything shakes out, right? Exactly. And even, you know, like we'll take this even further and, and kind of bring it back to the listeners is a lot of people, they'll say to me, Rob, you put out all this content on LinkedIn. Like, where do you find the time to do this plus a job plus, you know, your personal life? And it's kind of the same thing to me. It's what are your priorities? What are you trying to do? What are you trying to achieve? And if once you set those priorities, everything else shakes out, like you'll find time. Like there's time, you know, you're you're awake for like 16 hours a day, like you'll find time to do stuff. And you're absolutely correct about that. It all has to do with what you've established your objectives and, and priorities to be. And it's it's important, as you mentioned, on a personal level, it's important career-wise, and it's definitely important to the organizations and, and organizations that don't figure out where priorities should lie quickly enough will 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 lose themselves in the in the spin of this this game. And I guess jumping off that, like how do organizations like, you know, like a lot of what we talk about in asset management is we can find it on the usually it's the about us page of of organizations where they say, you know, our mission, vision and values, but where do they really define those objectives? So mission vision values but then when you really really get into it what are their what are their objectives that they are trying to achieve and this will become apparent through what the culture 
is 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 akin to so what's the culture allowing the organization to achieve and what culture is the organization in turn sustaining so it's all good and well to say for example uh we are on a quest to save money but at the same time we see wanton waste in other aspects of the organization so really what the strategy is and what actually obtains the, that gap is seen through the eyes of the culture of the organization. And it is that very culture that, that rewards. It is that culture that resources. It is, you know, what are the things that the organization meets about? What are the things that the organization finds important? How does the organization react to decisions that need to be made? So if you walk into an organization and it is chaotic and it is there is constant uh, pressure to make decisions on the fly, on the fly, and a, a constant short-termism view of activities and, 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 and view of what needs to happen in the organization, that will give you a, a very good view of what the objectives of that organization really are. Yeah, and I think that I've seen I've seen that a lot. And and one thing I've also seen is companies will say stuff like we want to be world class in reliability or we want to be world class in maintenance, but their actions map to a different like they don't map to that. And I, and I for me the way I like to explain it to people is I like to say, "Hey, you know, it's like me saying I want to run a sub four hour marathon while I'm watching TV. <laughs> eh, don't talk about me like that. <laughs> <laughs> but it, <laughs> yeah. So <clears throat> it is setting the setting the goals, and and organizations are notorious for for having talk shops. And, you know, that's one of the reasons that people at the bottom of the organization really get turned off so easily. So a lot of talk shop, but what actually goes into action, as you mentioned, is oftentimes very different. Uh, part of it is that I, I really and genuinely believe that when organizations say that they want some of these improvements, that they genuinely want it. However, uh, sometimes having the capability to address the business processes that will bring the improvement because you can't bring improvement to a system if you don't address the processes if you don't address the people you know I, i'd even leave the equipment and so on until until last or almost last because if you don't address the business processes that's that's facilitating the decisions that are being made then you're not going to achieve the improvements that you want. And it's, that's not just for maintenance management, it's for asset management, it's, it, it's, it's for anything. I mean, even if you want to go on a diet, they will, you know, your dietitian now wants to know what, what, what's your process of getting food into your body and what's the thought process that you're going through. If you want to run a marathon, as you mentioned, what's the thought process that you're going through to 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 get there and what 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 processes are you putting in place to train and exercise and and stay motivated you know 
So if you if you look at all of that, organizations have similar processes. We have we have maintenance management processes. We have several asset management processes. We have processes to prioritize what what assets get prioritized to prioritize assets for for repair for replacement to to select assets. So what what are the components of these processes and if you don't get down to that level then you will not be able to to address why decisions are not being made in the best interest of the organization do you think it's a people issue and when i say people it's like what we mentioned right so with weight loss it's very similar like uh when i had dr liam latouche on the show the one thing he mentioned with respect to weight loss that stuck with me was he was quoting, I think it was Dr. Yoni Friedhoff. But anyways, uh, what he said was, if you don't like the, if you don't love the changes that you've made, so like love your new life, you're going to return to what you, you've always done. And that's, you know, to me, that's very similar to reliability improvements, asset management improvements, even you know, something we talked about with Bob Latino with root cause analysis is like, don't get to the level where you blame, you know, Johnny for making a bad decision. It's what's the business process that led to Johnny making that decision. That's the real key to get to. And and that's really important for organizations to understand because the easiest thing to do is to point the finger at somebody else, especially at somebody who is least capable of defending themselves. So usually when when something has happened, if we just start by looking at the systems that were in place and just asking a few questions, were systems in place to prevent this from happening? If systems were in place, why were they not followed? And if you, if you, you know, really, as, as, as Bob would say, if you really go through and take a systematic, holistic approach to it, then you might find that it actually comes down to, you know, wanton disregard by, by the employee in very few cases. So sometimes organizations are their own worst enemy because they make it really hard for the people who want to do the right thing to do the right thing. And it's because the systems, we call them business processes, are just not in place. How do we get a handle on those systems? Like, how do we understand what processes are in place and actually like target them for changes or improvements? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. Uh, I'm going to start by saying, first of all, companies need to know what what decisions they are trying to make, what they are trying to achieve, and then and then go from that kind of work backwards through the systems to then decide if if they're if they're functioning properly. And I like to map processes. I, I like to actually draw it out. And I, I've been in companies that I've asked two or three different people to tell me what the process is to do a purchase requisition. And in the same company, I got three different answers. And so what is the process for getting uh, parts from stores? Just sit down and map these processes out. And then look, once you map it out, you will be able to see 
what are the areas that you can tighten up on the other part of it is 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 kind of role sculpting and 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 role scoping so again i've been in organizations where the buyer for example is approving a purchase requisition before it gets to the decision makers in 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 the maintenance department for example why is that so the buyer should should be on the receiving end of an of an approved requisition so <clears throat> you really have to get very very granular with these organizations to, to to really understand what is happening in terms of the processes so that then you can track what is going wrong and where the processes can be improved yeah, and I find this similar to like a lot of our listeners were were sort of on the maintenance and reliability side, and one of these process like it's it's very similar to drawing that spaghetti chart of like where your maintenance mechanic goes during a PM or during a job, right? And you see that that line squiggle around your your maintenance shop, and really you can find ways to to improve it. That's right. And sometimes with the systems that are in place, the employees just really can't do any better than what they are doing. And it is unreasonable with the systems in place to expect better and different. You know, I, I, I spent some time with another company and I said, okay, are you, are you capitalizing the portion of labor and parts and so on? that maintenance attaches that that they would attach to a capital project and the the answer was oh yes definitely we do that so i said okay how are you doing that so then the planner said well okay i just i do a work order and i said well when you do the work order are you using the asset well yeah i use the asset but the asset is on your cost center so if you're not doing the work order on the project account you're not actually capitalizing anything unless you have some kind of manual system later down in the process to catch it, say, for example, down in finance and redirect it to, to the appropriate project account. All of that is very manual. And I, and in organizations, generally, nobody's doing that. So even though you you say it at a, at a high level that you want this in place, or you have this wish, which I believe is noble on the part of every organization that I've worked in, they really do want this in place. But you do have to get down into the nitty gritty of the processes to see what is happening and to see how to improve how to improve what you have. Yeah, and I and I think it really starts with with understanding, like again, it's that end, understanding the end game. And then understanding how you're going to map to that end game, right? So the thing that I I also see is when they say we want to be world-class reliability or world-class asset management, they don't actually have a good handle on what that looks like and how that's going to impact the organization. Yeah. And and so... You know that that's a very valid point. So I always recommend an asset. Let's let's pick asset management now and and even reliability because those are so topical right now. So for asset management, I'd I'd recommend that organizations if if you have zero in place, 
don't jump in to start at the doing end of it. I, I recommend start even with education and awareness and particularly of the senior management. We're very good in organization, you know, at, at training. Well, people might kill me for saying organizations are good at training the lower level, but we're very good at separating the senior leadership and, and, and saying that uh, they don't need this and they don't need that. Asset management, education and awareness needs to start with senior leadership because they control the resources and they control the culture of the organization. So if you start with education and awareness, then you get into your policy, your, your top front end parts of it. So your policy, your strategy and planning, and then the rest of it will, will, will fall into place bit by bit if you stick to the processes. But if you don't get the education and awareness, you know, then you won't be able to participate, even if you have a consultant, you won't be able to participate effectively in developing the policies and the strategies and, and, and the plans. So if you want your organization uh, stakeholders to be effective in, in, in managing those processes, then you, you, you need to start with edu education and awareness. And, and, you know, recognize the whole thing as it's all about value and it's all whether it's maintenance, whether it's reliability, asset management, it's all a part of a value chain that is supposed to lead back to the customer. Yeah, that there's there's a couple of great things that you said there. Definitely the customer centric view. It's something that I think some companies lose sight of in these in these um, improvements. And and the other thing I think that you mentioned that uh, that keyed into me is when you mentioned that you need to even if you hire a consultant, you still need to educate your people and still need to build those systems around them. And to me, that's Again, if we go back to the weight loss, it's if you hire a personal trainer and they train you, it's not sustainable to have that personal trainer with you 24-7 for the rest of your life. So the, the changes have to be something that you can sustain yourself. And it's, it's the same thing like asset management, right? Like consultants are great, like, you know, you and I, we can definitely help companies and teach them the the core fundamentals of asset management, reliability, whatever. But at the end of the day, they have to eventually take ownership of it to really see the success followed through. And and ownership is a is a key word that you mentioned there, because I've seen in so many companies that they they bring consultants in, and the consultants own all the processes and the consultants do everything and the consultants talk to everybody. And then the consultants move on and the organization is left with a big gaping hole. So part of what uh, I do as, as a consultant, as, as an advisor myself, is insist that the, the organization is also educating itself and the processes that are to be owned by the organization I force them to own it and I don't try to own it because it's really important that they develop that ownership for whatever they have hired me for. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I agree 100%. And, and then to me, that's the difference between good consultants and bad consultants. Like what I've seen is, and I used, like I did interview with some of these big consulting companies and, and their whole strategy is essentially to entrench themselves forever in an organization. And you can do that if you own everything. It's great for profitability, but at the end of the day, are you actually setting your customer up for success? Probably not. Yeah, and 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 to you know to balance that against that there are legitimate contracts out there where the relationship with the client is one of partnership. So so those are even different, and organizations get into long term relationships with with the clients. So that's that's all good and well. And even and if you look at because I've also been a part of an organization that that did that. And if you look at the contract, it also required the education of the of the organization and building up the organizational capabilities. But what we always have to remember is that within the, the organizational space, somebody has to to want it and somebody has to be there trying to make this happen. Oh it, yeah, I mean the internal champion. It's it's a theme that's popped up again, and and it's definitely true, right? Like the internal champion. If you don't have one, your project is it's pretty well doomed to fail. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and uh, you know I I spend a lot of time in 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 organizations and. Part of what I, I like to do is to is to look at roles and 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 sculpting roles and then attaching deliverables to, to roles. And it's it's also really important that there is agreement in the organization as to what the responsibilities of each role is and where the where the responsibilities start and where they end. And along with that, what Asset information types are owned by those roles, so those things are are very important because if if nobody owns things, then they just fall into disrepair. You know. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess jumping off. So, I, I guess it was last week, but people will probably hear it. I I don't know when people hear it, but I was on uh, James Kovacevic's podcast, Rooted in Reliability, and we were talking about asset decisions. And one of the questions he asked me was along the lines of what roles should decide what types of decisions. What are your thoughts on that question? Yeah, so, you know, questions like those I always answer in the context of the organization. So it depends on what your organization is set up to do and what you're trying to achieve. So I, I've been in organizations where the maintenance manager is also the facilities manager. I've been in organizations where the facilities department uh, was completely different and it dealt with building and building systems and the maintenance department dealt with equipment and so on. So it depends on what the organization is, is set up to do. And there has to be congruence on these roles. Uh, traditionally, though, and 
I'd just going back into my past a little bit, I'd say, you know, asset asset management, if there's an asset management team in the organization, needs to needs to have uh, responsibility for certain processes. And one of those would be uh, CAPEX prioritization processes, but also oversight over the OPEX budgeting processes and, and developing standardized tools and, and so on to get those done and standardized methodologies by which those decisions are to be made. And then we would consider that maintenance and operations would be on the executing side of that. So you wouldn't necessarily expect to see your asset manager down there on the floor making a decision about whether you should do this PM or do that other job because the decisions uh, that they're involved in would sit probably at a higher level. And then the responsibilities for decisions around maintenance activities usually lie with the maintenance manager. But uh, I think a couple of weeks ago, I did a I did a webinar for Fluke and we spoke about who the main stakeholders are in those decisions and who needs to be consulted. And these things need to be very, very clear because, you know, coming out of the maintenance space, Myself, I can tell you, maintenance is, is a is a notorious silo. Operations is a notorious silo. Finance is a notorious silo, and and so on and so forth. And and each organization, each department in the organization, sits by itself. It develops its own processes. It develops its own forms and its own way that it wants people to interact with it. When really in the organization. If you take a value chain approach, you should find the customer, the, whether it's internal or external, find the customer who is on the tail end of any process and get that customer's input into developing the process because that's who you serve. Whether you're inside the organization or not, that's who you serve, the customer. So that customer, that's not always like the person who's buying your product and service, right? Like for maintenance, maybe the customer in some cases is operations. Exactly. So, and I'm going to say that in, in two ways. First of all, maintenance uh, is, is on a value chain that should lead to the external customer. That's first and foremost. Uh, but, but so is operations. Operations is on that same on that same value chain. But within the organizational space, there are internal customers. So if you consider warehousing, who is, the, who is the main customer for warehousing of parts? That would be the maintenance department, right? Who is the main customer for, for maintenance operations? You know, so if, if you look at it in, in that kind of way, who is the main customer for purchasing? Who is the main customer for finance? Uh, who's the main customer for HR? So if you look at who the who the main stakeholders are for each, and you don't even have to go by department, you can go by processes. And if you look at who the stakeholders are, then pull those stakeholders in uh, because you can't develop the process on your own. And I've seen even uh, 
one organization, this this was very novel. It's not an organization that I worked at. It's, a, it's an organization that I was told about where they actually, the, the general manager at the time actually had the departments that, the departments that had to use the, the deliverables from the other department be responsible for developing the, the KPIs for that department, you know? And so the other part of it that I started speaking about before is if we, if we look at the value chain that, that comes from the customer, and I say maintenance is on that value chain, operations, every part of the organization is on that value chain. So let's, let's say that what we produce is, is widgets. The customer wants widgets and the customer wants it. This is the external customer I'm speaking of now. And they want it in the expected volume and, and quality. But it doesn't end there because the customer also wants widgets that are produced with care. So they want it legally and ethically produced. They don't want to know that you're breaking the law. They want to know that there is due concern for safety and the environment. So this is what production and marketing sells to the customer, or this is what production sells to marketing and marketing sells to the customer. So then to deliver the value to production, maintenance delivers throughput and reliable asset performance. And right away as I'm talking, you'll start to see the mismatch in communication that we can have because if we go, for example, to to production or to marketing and start to talk about availability, they might not be interested because that's not what they want. Safety and environmental stewardship, for example, cannot be assured if, if the asset components are in any state of failure. So if the seals are defective, the oil is going to leak out into the environment. It's as simple as that. Maintenance management creates this value now through asset performance management, cost management, and risk management. So to create this value, maintenance management is manipulating certain processes that we have to make effective decisions. So our problems usually come in organization when we are forcing the customer to care about something that is an internal process to us and not a deliverable to them. And if, if we start to look at it that way, then, then we can start to improve our customers with a, improve our processes, sorry, with a view to serving the customers that we have to serve. That's a, that's a pretty great summary there. And I, I like all of it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've seen it all in organization. I've seen the fights. As a matter of fact, I've been a part of the fights. I, you know, I was in a, I was in a lot of fights until I started to understand this. You know, what, what does my, what does my general manager care about? You know, does, does he care about what I put into the CMMS yesterday? He doesn't care. Well, he shouldn't care. I've had general managers that have cared. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's on a a, a different level of, um, yeah, that takes us back to role sculpting. Yeah, that's right. That's a different discussion for a different day, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So that that's that's kind of uh 
when we talk about the, the value chain and then each department now being on that value chain, and then if you want to take it down to its granular point, then each department, even if you're not customer facing, you have an internal customer that you're delivering your goods and services to. Yeah, absolutely. And that that right there, like a lot of our listeners, they probably battle in organizations where they're trying to fight the operations department so then they can get the asset to do whatever predictive maintenance or, or even preventative maintenance that they're trying to do. And I think that just tweaking that way that you think about it, it might help you at least buy, get some buy-in. Yeah. And if I... If, if I'm ever a, a, a general manager in one of these plans, I have no plans to be, but say, let's say maybe that I'm advising one of them. I'd say, make the production manager responsible for the maintenance KPIs. Yeah, that's a, that's a great tip. And I, I think, I think we, we talked a little bit about it on the show with James Kovacevic. I mean, to me, I, that was probably the first I've heard of it. And I, I love the concept and I love the idea. Yeah, then then the fighting the, the the fighting will cease because you know you're responsible for it. As a matter of fact, in the podcast, sorry, in the webinar that I did for Fluke uh, a couple of weeks ago, you know, I mentioned that uh, maintenance planning actually starts with production, and if we can't get production to see that, then our reward system and our measurement system is is out of whack. It needs to be realigned. And uh, this organization that I mentioned to you earlier, that's actually what the general manager did. He made the production uh, manager responsible for the maintenance KPIs and the maintenance person responsible for the production KPIs. Yeah, and then it it's just everyone's on the same team. And, and that's one thing that kind of frustrated me at least earlier in my career was for me, I look at an organization and I, and I, in my head, I'm like, well, it's the same company that signs the paychecks for everybody, but it seems like we're playing on different teams. And it it gets even worse because if you speak about the poor asset, then all these different departments are managing the assets at probably just at different phases in their life cycle. And some of them, like operations, maintenance, and production, are actually managing the asset in the same life cycle phase. So if we can't get along, guess what is going to suffer? The asset is going to suffer. Asset performance and asset cost and asset risk, that's what's going to be at stake. Not only that, and our own sanity. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, and and that counts for a lot in this game because if you don't come with all your marbles to work, then you really can't contribute. And uh, and part of what goes wrong a lot in in the organization is when we don't recognize that we don't have the right systems and processes in place, then we start to rain on individuals. And we rain on individuals and we just create more dysfunction in the organization. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, Suzanne, I guess we'll have to wrap up here. Um, I, I appreciate you coming on to talk. I mean, we took a little detour here, but it was fun. So, so I enjoyed it. <laughs> oh, this was good. It was good. It, yes, we did take a detour, but it's fine. It, it's good. I like it. <laughs> 
Yeah, absolutely. So this podcast will be coming out. I think right now it'll be coming out in mid June. Do you have anything to plug that people like conferences that you'll be at, or obviously they should go to GreemanAssetManagementSolutions.com for your website. Or do you have anything else that's coming up? Absolutely. So on the 7th of June, the PMAC Winnipeg chapter will be hosting the inaugural asset management summit in, in, in Manitoba. So it's going to be held in Winnipeg on the 7th of, 7th of June at the Viscount Gord Hotel. Uh, it's called AMS, AMMS 2019. And we have an amazing executive in, in Winnipeg that's putting this all together. So that's going to be a lot of fun. It's, it's the first time this is ever happening in Manitoba. So we're quite, um, quite excited about it. And we, we, have, uh, we have speakers coming from all over North America and, of course, here in Winnipeg and, and in, in the wider Canada. So we're, we're, we're very, very, very excited about what's happening there. As a matter of fact, you will be there. So we, we're even more excited about, about having you there. Then on the 13th of, of June, uh, Greenman Asset Management Solutions, Inc. will be hosting uh, its first online course. So that is uh, going to be Asset Registry Management. So if you're struggling, if your asset registry is frustrating you, if you're struggling with it, if, um, if you can't make any useful decisions from your asset registry, then listen, this is a course for you. It's two and a half hours via webinar. So that's, that's quite exciting as well. Then on the 17th of June from it, it spans actually the 17th to the 25th, uh, Greenman Asset Management Solutions Inc. Again, will be hosting Essentials of Asset Management and ISO 55,000 uh, Family of Standard Training Course. So uh, get in touch with us and find out how to register for for these uh, two online courses. We put them online so that uh, we could avoid uh, travel and it would be a little bit more convenient for for persons and a little bit cheaper than a face-to-face course. So get in touch with us and uh, and I'll send you the registration link. In August, I'm off to Maximo World 2019. I'm going to be the... Internet of Things keynote speaker, uh, courtesy of uh, Akitas. So uh, I want to, you know, give a big shout out to Akitas. Congratulations on your achievement, your award yesterday. But uh, thank you so much for the kind invitation. In September, I'm going to be at uh, Main Train 2019. And uh, you and I are always at Main Train. It's a ton of fun. And a lot, a lot, a lot of learning, a lot of interaction. There's a lot going on in the asset management space, a lot going on in the, in the, in the maintenance management space, a lot going on in reliability. And so get involved, sign up for this conference. You know, it's, it's, it's going to be fun. Uh, and in December, I'm back again to Florida to IMC 2019, where I hope again to launch my second book. And IMC is is just loads and loads of learning, very good interactions with, with folks. You know, their authors are always there, industry experts, uh, 
cutting edge technology. If you want to hear what is happening, then that is the place to be. I'm also in conversation with a few other um, events. So those will be up on my website as, as it rolls around. So if you want to want to find out what's happening, follow me on LinkedIn, follow me on Twitter. I, the company is also on Facebook. And uh, if we meet up at an event and we're connected on LinkedIn, just make sure to, to holler at me for a picture. I love to take pictures with my, with my contacts so that we can put it up on LinkedIn. Yeah, so that's, that's what's going on. That's what's going on for us this year. It's a, it's a packed year already. No, that's awesome. And, and yeah, I'll be, I'll be seeing you. I'll be, of course, I'm at the Asset Management Manitoba Summit, and then I'll also be at the Main Train Conference because it's in Edmonton, and I'm also on the conference committee as well, so I'll be there. Oh, that's that's so great. That's It, it would be great to catch up with you again in person. And uh, you're going to enjoy Asset Management Manitoba Summit. We, got, we have authors coming. We have industry experts again so is and we've made it into a true asset management summit so it's not just about maintenance we have uh supply chain is is represented uh hr is represented oh no <laughs> yes yes oh yes so it, we're gonna be talking about risk risks in in every way shape or form so we have so many, so many experts, so many authors, books will be on sale and we will be closing the night off with, <clears throat> with a fantastic dinner as well as a comedy show and a, a lot of prizes and giveaways. So come on out and spend the day with us, spend the evening with us and you will not regret it. You're going to learn so much. I mean, I'm sold, but I was sold before. So <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Uh, Suzanne, I appreciate you coming on and sharing your expertise with us again. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. As usual, I, I learned a lot from you. So this is, this is always great to be with you. <laughs> I appreciate that. And, and everyone listening, I appreciate you guys listening and spending your time with us.